Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Spiritual death can be defined this way. Spiritual death is separation from God. So it's possible to be very much alive in the physical sense, in the intellectual sense or the emotional sense, but in actuality from God's standpoint to be dead. And this is where the whole human race is dead in trespasses and sins. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, in a message titled, Dead in Trespasses and Sins. Now, here's Pastor Brian. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we come back once again to our study in Ephesians here in the second chapter. As I've already stated several times in this study, Paul spends the first portion of the letter declaring how our salvation is all due to God's great love and grace. He wants us, his readers, to be rooted and grounded in the love of God and the grace that flows from that love. So here in these verses, he continues to magnify the grace of God by reminding us of how deep the pit was that God's love pulled us out of. What Paul does in this passage is to paint a vivid picture between what man is by nature and what he can become by grace. And so today we're going to focus on what man is, what all of us are by nature. And Paul tells us about that in the first three verses. So we'll look together at these three verses. Let me read them to you once again. And you were dead in trespasses and sins 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So remember, I shared with you that Paul is like, he's like an artist. And he's, he's wanting to paint a picture of the glorious grace of God in all of its beauty, in all of its brightness. But in order to magnify the grace, he first starts with this darkened backdrop, this black background. He starts by reminding us of our true condition. The Bible is problematic for people for several reasons, but really primarily because the Bible doesn't flatter men. The Bible really speaks straightforwardly about our depravity, about our sinfulness, about our wickedness, and of course, people don't like to hear that about themselves. And so that's one of the reasons why we find so much opposition to the scriptures in the world around us. Jesus himself noted this. He said, the world hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. And that is indeed true about the scripture in general. And so Paul here he gives us this portrait, but it's not of some particularly decadent tribe or degraded segment of society, or even of the extremely corrupt paganism of his own day. No, this is the biblical diagnosis of fallen man in fallen society everywhere and for all time. In other words, this, the Bible says this is, this is everybody, and this is how it's always been. It's always been the case that we are, as, as human beings, we, we come into this world dead in trespasses and sins, and we are the children of wrath by nature. So Paul breaks it down for us here. He says, first of all, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins trespasses and sins. It seems that Paul carefully chose these two words to give a comprehensive account of human evil. There's a distinction in these words. The word trespass, the Greek word, means a false step. That's the actual meaning of the word. And the idea is that it involves either the crossing of a known boundary or a deviation from the right path. So with the, with the word trespass or the word transgression, similar word, the idea is a willful crossing over of a boundary that God has set. So it, it's, a, it's a willful disobedience to the, the revealed will of God. It's a trespass, it's a transgression. The second word, the word sin or sins, here it's plural, is the Greek word hamartia. And this is the word that really is a word that describes missing the mark or coming short of the standard. 
falling short of the standard. And so the Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The standard is perfection. The standard is actually Jesus Christ himself. He's the measuring stick. So anyone who doesn't measure up to Jesus falls short of the standard. We're all sinners. We don't measure up to that standard of perfection. Jesus never thought, never said, or never did anything that was inconsistent with the holy nature of God, contrary to the nature and will of God. And of course, we have all done that. We have done things contrary. So we're all sinners. We've all missed the mark. So together, the two words cover the positive and negative or active and passive aspects of human wrongdoing. And so in looking at these words, we see that before God, we are both failures and rebels. We're both. We're not simply just failures. We're not just, oh, I'm just a bad shot. You know, I, I really wanted to hit the mark, but I just can't seem to hit it. I, I missed it. We are that, but we're more than that. We're rebels as well. We're transgressors. We're trespassers. We, we see the boundary and we intentionally cross over it. And as a result of that, Paul says we are dead. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, what does he mean when he speaks of us being dead? Well, he's talking about spiritual death. And spiritual death can be defined this way. Spiritual death is separation from God. So it's possible to be very much alive in the physical sense, in the intellectual sense or the emotional sense, but in actuality from God's standpoint to be dead. And this is where the whole human race is dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God. Remember, we read there in the 59th chapter of Isaiah, God says, my, my ear is not heavy or, or plugged that I cannot hear you, and my arm is not shortened that I cannot save you, but your sins have separated us. That's what sin does. It separates us from God, and that is what it means to be dead in sin. And this is true. Think about it as you look around at people. Men by nature are blind to the glory of Jesus Christ. People today in the culture, we, talk, we hear the name of Jesus from people, but we rarely hear it in a way that glorifies him, right? And, and man is blind. Sometimes I'll hear a person say Jesus in a, in the sense of using his name as sort of a curse word sometimes, or sometimes people just use it as a filler. And you think, wow, this is the name above every name. This is the name that everyone is going to bow before. This is the name that if uttered in sincerity and truth saves a person eternally. But people are clueless when it comes to that. Men by nature are blind to the glory of Christ deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have no love for God, no sensitive awareness of his personal reality, no longing for fellowship with him or his people. They are as unresponsive to him as a corpse. This is the way it is in the world, isn't it? No love for God. Now, someone would protest and say, oh, 
That's not true. Somebody might say, well, I really love God. I do. But you know what you find? There are people that would say that. There are people that would disagree and argue. But you find when you ask them to define God, it's a God that they have invented. It's a God that they've conjured up in their own imagination. When you start talking to them about the God who's revealed himself in the pages of the Bible, they will say, oh, no, I don't believe in that God. I don't believe in a God that's going to judge anybody. I don't believe in a God that's going to hold anybody accountable for their sin. And nowadays, it's, I don't believe in a God that's going to tell me anything that I don't want to hear. So you see, they say they love God. They say they believe in God. But it's not the true God. It's an imaginary God. Because man by nature has no love for God. No matter how physically fit or mentally astute or emotionally vibrant a person might be, those who are without Christ are dead while they live. The basic tragedy of fallen human existence is that people who were created by God and for God are now living without him. That's the great tragedy. We were created by God. We were created to be in communion with him, but we live our lives separated from him. This is where all of us were and where most still are. So this is where Paul starts. He's talking, remember, bigger picture. He's talking about the grace of God and the glory of God's grace. But he wants to remind us of where we came from. And so he then shows us how that spiritual death worked itself out into our daily living experience. And notice what he says here, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then he says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And so he refers to three things here, the world, the devil, and the flesh. So how, how did this, this state work itself out? How was this manifested in our lives? Well, following the course of the world. Now, you know, if you've been a Christian for some time, you know, oftentimes when we speak of the world, we're speaking of it in a negative fashion. But when we're, when we're doing that, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the planet itself? Are we talking about nature itself? Are we talking about people in general? No, when we speak of the world in that negative sense, or when the Bible speaks of it in the negative sense, it's really referring to society organized without reference to God. That's what the world is. It's people living without regard to God, the ways of God or the will of God. So when, when Paul says here that we were walking according to the course of this world, we were following the course of the world, one translation puts it this way, we were drifting along the stream of this world's ideas of living. And that's true, really, isn't it? Of each and every one of us. I can certainly attest that it was true about me. I lived my life without reference to God for many, many years. No reference to God, no real thinking about him, 
no interest in the things of God. I didn't love him. I didn't seek him. I didn't concern myself with how he might want me to live. I didn't ever think to praise him. I never thought to show any gratitude toward him. I thought nothing of breathing his air and enjoying his world and then turning around and violating his commands and using his name in vain. In the end, I, looking back now, realized that I loved and worshiped myself. And so did you. And so does everyone. This is human nature. This is the way it is. And this is the way it is for everyone following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. This is a reference to the devil. This is a reference to Satan. Now, of course, some people today would say, are you kidding me? Are you joking? You're talking about a devil? You're talking about Satan in the 21st century? Yes, we are. He's alive and well. And he is the one who's leading the parade. He's the one who's leading this march in opposition to God. And this is where the masses are. They're following the prince of the power of the air. He is the one who is directing the course of this world. The word prince means ruler. He is the ruler of the, the powers of the air. The, the powers of the air are references to evil spirits. And so the Bible teaches that this world and the men and women in this world are being influenced in their rebellion against God by these evil spirits. As we read here, this is the spirit of Satan is the spirit is, that is working presently in the, the sons and daughters of disobedience. So we're following the course of the world that society that's organized without reference to God, we're being led in this march by Satan himself. These evil spirits who, whose domain is somehow in the atmosphere, they exercise varying degrees of control over the nations. Varying degrees of control over the nations. You would be hard-pressed to find a single government on the face of the earth that is not at its core antichrist. And not just today, but this is the way it has always been. And it's been the case in our nation as well. Now, we like to talk about the United States as being a Christian nation. We talk about getting back to the values of our founding fathers and so forth. But what we need to understand is that our founding fathers, most of them, were, they were interested in Christian morality because they believed that morality was healthy for the nation. And they believed that the Bible had a very good moral plan. So they greatly encouraged the reading of the Bible and the application of the Bible to one's life in order to have a moral and ethical society. But you find in their writings, when it came down to the real root 
and the core of the Christian faith, like the person of Christ and the idea of people being dead in their trespasses and sins and the idea of the necessity of the blood of Christ being shed as an atonement for our sin and Jesus rising from the dead, you find that they were radically opposed to those deep doctrines of the Christian faith. They were very much in favor of the, the moral and ethical teachings of Christianity, but they were very much against the, the deeper, more theological ideas that the morals and the ethics spring from. They did not believe in the deity of Christ. They did not believe that he was God manifested in the flesh. They did not like the idea that he died vicariously in our place for our sins. They oppose that. But, it, but it's true of, of all nations because this is what's in the heart of man. You see, people will be okay sometimes with certain forms of morality and they will agree that a person ought to live a certain life. And of course, many religions teach a moral and ethical system that is similar to what we find in the Bible. But the rub, the real, the, the real conflict occurs when you get down to things like this, when you get down to the issue of sin and everyone being a sinner and everyone being desperately in need of the grace of God and no one being able to save themselves through their morality or through their good works, that's where you find the conflict. But then Paul adds one more thing to the world and the devil, the flesh. And so he says here, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires Again, this is who we are naturally. My, my mind, my body is under the control of my mind. My, it's under the control of my, my passions and my desires. And, and there comes a certain point where we just, whatever those passions dictate, the body goes in that direction. Whatever the mind can conceive of, the body follows along under the direction of the mind. And, and, in many places in the New Testament, we have given to us a various descriptions, actually, of what the life of the flesh looks like. And it's ugly. It's very, very ugly. Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 5 here. We have these, these pictures to us, uh, given to us, of the life of the flesh. What is it like? Well, sexual immorality is at the top of the list. Sexual immorality. And when I say at the top of the list, not meaning it's, the, it's the, the worst of things. It just generally is, finds itself up there at the top. There, there's no one, it's, it's not, they're never laid out in the degree of the sin, like the worst at the top, and then you get down. As far as the biblical presentation goes, we're, we're talking about all of these things are really in the same category.
for the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. Gender identity, same-sex marriage, and women empowerment are among the biggest social issues of our time. But there's also a worldwide injustice of slavery that has found its way into our homes and into our pockets. The slavery of pornography. Multitudes of men and women today are in bondage and enslaved to pornography. So how can men and women be liberated? Well, in his book, The Death of Porn, Ray Ortland shares wise and biblical advice as a father to a son, reminding us of our royal identity because of our relationship with God through Christ. To learn about how the bondage of pornography can be broken, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.